What is your idea of a victorious Christian life? Is it living a life untouched by the world or COVID? Traveling through life unscathed by sin and sickness and the violence that surrounds us? Is it like going through the Pirates of the Caribbean in Disney World with cannons firing, guns going off, and attacks all around you, yet riding through life without a scratch? Or perhaps you are a bit more aggressive and think of victory in more active terms like a Sherman tank rumbling over every foe as if he wasn't even there. While those are fairly common concepts of a victorious, triumphant life, few of us experience life like that. Something goes haywire in our Disney world, and we find ourselves wounded, or our tank breaks down, and we find ourselves running for cover. But that really shouldn't surprise us. Even the Apostle Paul had his problems. He had troubles. In fact, at one point he was so troubled that he had to leave town. And on this occasion he left not because he was being chased out of town, but because he was frustrated. He was anxious. He was troubled in spirit. Yet even then, he transcended his troubles triumphantly. Let's see how he did it. Now, when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the Lord, I had no rest for my spirit, not finding Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went on to Macedonia. Does it shock to discover that the Apostle Paul turned his back on an open door? You know, we often think of the Apostles as superhuman, doing everything right. But here, Paul tells of the time when he blew it. He says he went to Troas to preach, to share the gospel of Christ, and found the Lord had really opened the door there. People were receptive. They were responding to his preaching. Everything was going great. So it would seem that something was wrong. Paul was worried. He had hoped to find Titus there with word from Corinth, but Titus wasn't there. And Paul was anxious about things in Corinth. Apparently, he couldn't get off his mind. He didn't know what was going on. He may have been worried that all his work there was going down the drain or that something had happened to Titus. He started playing what-ifs with himself and got so worried he couldn't stand it. So he walked out on a great opportunity in Troas and headed to Macedonia, hoping to find Titus. 
Now, that doesn't sound very apostolic, does it? Where was his faith? Why didn't he just trust that God was working things out? How could he walk away when God had opened a door for him? Well, believe it or not, Paul wasn't perfect. His teaching was infallible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we can have complete confidence in what he wrote. But he had his personal weaknesses, just like us. And I'm glad he did. I find it reassuring that the greatest missionary who ever lived blew it on occasion. That the man who explained so beautifully the nature of faith and grace lost focus of it himself once in a while. He too could get so bothered by personal concerns that he just couldn't do what God wanted him to do. So the Apostle Paul had his troubles, his anxieties, his moments of defeat, just as we do. But what separates him from most of us is the way he could bounce back so quickly from his troubles to triumph. Let's read on. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in his triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? What a recovery. Even though Paul blew it, his Lord led on in triumph. And that meant Paul could triumph too because he was caught up in the triumph of Christ. The picture painted here is one of a Roman triumph, a triumphal march of a victorious commander returning to Rome with his soldiers parading his captives through town. And the sweet aroma Paul talked about is a reference to the priests who would join the processional with their censers of incense. They would fill the city with what was to the Romans the sweet smell of victory. To the captives, however, it was a sickening smell of death. Paul said he took part in such a triumph, and Christ led it. Everywhere he went, even if he might fail personally, the fragrance of Christ was spread to everyone, believer and non-believers alike. To the non-believers, sad to say, it was the smell of death, the smell of defeat and doom. But for the believers, it was the aroma of life, of salvation, of victory in Jesus. Paul had the privilege of spreading that fragrance, the fragrance of Christ, 
everywhere he went. Because even in his failures and frustrations, he still traveled in the triumph of Christ. What a picture of victory in spite of defeat. And we need to keep that picture ever before us. We are going to stumble in our Christian walk. We are going to overreact to the frustrations and worries of life. We are going to fail. But let us never forget that in spite of our failures, we can still travel in the triumph of Christ. And we, like the Apostle Paul, can transcend our troubles. For we are not like many, peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Now it almost sounds as if Paul has changed topics here, but he hasn't. The key to Paul's ability to transcend his troubles was that even though he was a preacher, he was not merely peddling the word of God. What he was doing everywhere he went was something he took very seriously, something he truly believed in. Now I realize there are some who do think of themselves as salesmen for Jesus, who view evangelism as a form of sales. But like Paul, I'm uncomfortable with that picture. A salesman may or may not believe in what he's selling. And a salesman usually sells something in order to profit from it. But Paul wasn't a peddler of religious information or products. He wasn't a religious huckster, simply hawking wares to make a buck. Religion can be extremely profitable. And there were those who profited from it in Paul's day, as do some today. And even those who start out in ministry with the best of intentions often lose sight of their original objective. The lure of financial gain can blind any of us, even preachers, to what's important. But it hadn't for Paul. He was still motivated by a sincere desire to share what he had been given in Christ. And he hadn't lost sight of the fact that he had been personally commissioned by God to share it. So everything he said and did, he did in the sight of God. His faith was for real. His call was for real. His life was for real. And that's what enabled him to transcend the troubles he experienced in the course of his ministry. If our ministry or our faith isn't for real, or if it's motivated by selfish ambition 
will not be able to transcend our troubles. If we became a Christian because we thought it would guarantee a charmed life, we're going to be sorely disappointed. And when we don't get what we thought we'd get, our troubles will devastate us. If we view faith as a path to the good life, we'll have nothing to sustain us when disappointments come and the going gets rough. But if our faith is in the right person, for the right reasons, we can transcend our troubles triumphantly. Obviously, that won't happen if we're nothing more than peddlers of the word of God, repeating things we really don't believe, doing what Jeremiah lamented about the people of his day. Thou art near to their lips, but far from their mind. Contrasting himself with the peddlers, Paul said, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. That was his answer to the question he asked in verse 16. And who is adequate for these things? Who can handle the troubles of life victoriously? Those who are sincere in their faith, who sense the call of God in their life, and who live their life in the presence of Jesus. That's what made Paul adequate for the challenges he faced. That's what enabled him to transcend his troubles and even his failures. And that's the only way we can have a truly victorious Christian life. We must be for real. And our faith must be for real. We must mean it when we say Jesus is Lord. Our decision to serve Christ must not be based on what we hope to gain from it. We serve Christ because he is the Son of God. And he has every right to be the Lord of our life. We recognize the call of God in our life. He has chosen us. And he's not only saved us, but has commissioned us with the greatest work of all time. He has a job for us to do in life, a purpose for us to fulfill. He wants his son to live his life through us. That gives meaning to everything we do. When we speak, we do so in Christ. When we work, we do so in Christ. When we play, we do so in Christ. When we cry, we do so in Christ. Everything we do is in Christ, in his name and in his sight.
We are therefore able to be open and transparent before God and man. We have nothing to hide. Our motives are pure. And even when we do blow it, we don't have to hide in the bushes like Adam and Eve. We don't even attempt to cover up our frustrations and failures. Instead, we openly confess them before God and man. And we do so with a full assurance that we are still marching in the triumph of Christ. That is the way to a victorious Christian life. Begin with a faith that is sincere. Honestly seek to do what God has called you to do in life. And recognize that everything is done in the presence, in the sight of Christ. That's the way to transcend troubles triumphantly. It worked for the Apostle Paul, and it can work for you. You can transcend your troubles triumphantly. You can face the future with confidence. You can have victory in Jesus. Let's celebrate that now together.